Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod. This is episode number 22. But it's time for something completely different. This week it's the first round table on the podcast. Meaning I got five creative people round the table with myself, asked a few questions and we had a discussion. Uh, this The recording took place maybe about a month ago now when I was on holiday. And I go on this snowboarding holiday pretty much every year and I have done for the last uh, four years now. And the core of the group are all graduates from either Dundee University or from Abertay. And it's probably the only time we're all together. I mean, the group has grown in size and we've got partners and friends and colleagues that all come along and the group's grown to maybe about 30 people and it's an amazing holiday few beers bit of snowboarding and then you get to catch up with everyone afterwards and I felt this year it was too good an opportunity to have so many amazing people in one place to let that slip past so I decided to to get a few of the guys in one room and do a podcast episode it actually went way smoother than I ever could have imagined and I think about five people was probably the right number it was relatively easy to control and there was some really interesting stuff that came up in it probably not going to be the last so look out for for roundtables in the future and talking of the future there's a few little things that are happening with the podcast so going forward I'm sort of looking to the longer term now and thinking about sustainability and, and how I manage that uh, one of those things is to do with the website. Um, it needs a bit of an upgrade, an overhaul, just to put a better structure in place, um, SEO-wise, um, content-wise, updates-wise. So that'll be probably coming out in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, all going to plan. And the other thing I'm looking at just now is creating little products. So sort of looking at ways of, of monetizing it where people can buy products based upon the podcast in a little online store um, and they can buy them to support the podcast. Um, I'm keeping my cards a little close to my chest with this but there will be some sort of merch coming out hopefully relatively soon. Yeah and there's a couple of other little developments. I've had some really interesting conversations this week again about that long-term sustainability and when I know a bit more information, I'll let you know about all this. Um, one other thing I do want to say is thanks to everyone who joined the Facebook group. I think we've got around about 50 people on there now, but I'm sure there's many more of you that could benefit from being on there. Um, I think I'm going to upload little snippets uh, earlier in the week for the Facebook group um, and just sort of drip feed the content in there. So if you do want those early updates, uh, please go and join the Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ccc dundee but yeah so let's let's move on to the actual podcast for this week and what i want to do is just give you a brief introduction to each person in the same order that they introduced themselves in the podcast uh, after the recording i realized no one used their full name and no one talked about the, the companies that they're at at the moment so i just wanted to, to do a very brief intro to each person for that and then i'll let them give you a sort of one to two minute overview of their journey at the start of the podcast. Uh, first up we've got Dave Goodchild who's a developer at Gyron Internet. Um, 
does a lot of, sort of back-end stuff and dealing with servers and all that sort of thing. He is currently living in Spain, but freelancing for a company in London. And next up, we've got Ross Forrest. He is a UX architect at Human Thinking, uh, which is a UX agency down in London. Then we've got John Crow, who's senior QA engineer at The Foundry, which is a VFX company based in London as well. Then Mike Findler is an architectural designer based in Dundee, and he runs Notiol Studio. Um, he also does a bit of work with Carbon Dynamic up in Inverness and some lecturing at the University of Dundee in the Interiors Department. So yeah, he's got a few things going on. But last, but by no means least, uh, we've got Claire Hanlon. She's a digital account manager at Frame Digital in Glasgow, which is a design agency. So a good spread of people across many different disciplines. So yeah, I'll let them introduce themselves and we'll get on with the podcast. So this is episode number 22. This is the first ever roundtable. Right, okay. Um, I'm Dave and I went to Abertay University and studied computer games technology. Immediately after, I went and worked for a company down in Derby there for two months and hated it. Hated Derby and was not enjoying computer games tech. And then that's when I just moved into normal development programming and all that. Yeah, I got about three or four years proper experience in Dundee. And then uh, as a freelancer, I thought, right, I'm going to leave Dundee now and I moved to Spain and then started my own company. And yeah, it was my idea was not just to live in Spain, it was to go to South America, it was to go to all sorts of places, but actually it just ended up staying in Spain because I started that company and figured I need to have some kind of solid base to work from. I don't want to be moving about. And then obviously <coughs> since then I've stayed there. Uh, and that's basically up to date. There you go. Uh, I'm Ross. I studied interactive media design at Dundee. Um, and then when I, when that finished up, I got a bit scared because I didn't really think I was ready for, I didn't feel like I was a proper designer. So I ended up doing a master's. Uh, so the master's was design ethnography. So that was basically applying ethnographic research uh, methods to design research. And uh, that was actually really quite useful because it helped me figure, like talk about design or, and think about design in a very different way. and. Uh, compared to how I'd been thinking about it before. So when that finished up, I moved back to Edinburgh and I was searching about for jobs in Edinburgh uh, for about three months, I think. And I wanted to do something that was in the design realm. I wanted to you know, do something that I'd studied for. But at that time, there, wasn't, there didn't seem to be all that much on offer. For, I had a reasonable portfolio, I applied for plenty of jobs. Uh, they always came back to me being like, yeah, we like your portfolio, we'd potentially have a position for you, but not until at least after Christmas. And this was like September, so I would have had to go back to working in a bar and stuff and living with my parents, and I wasn't really down for that. So I broadened my horizons and started applying for places in London, an agency in Shoreditch. And, uh, but the thing is, I, didn't, I originally didn't want to move to London, but yeah, it turned out to be a really positive thing. I was at that design agency for two and a half years. So I was a UX designer there. And my line manager there, he left to do his own thing. Uh, and he kind of headhunted me 
and I've been working for him now for three years. Um, uh, okay, so I'm John, and um, I went to Aberté to study uh, computer games development. And after the third <coughs> year, I switched to Dundee, which most people think is the better school. <laughs> so I, I did IMD at Dundee for a year. Uh, I did that full time while working full time. Uh, doing some design stuff and uh, I think after uni I then ended up getting a job as uh, a games designer uh, for a company in Dunfermline uh, who did work for a company out in New York and that was during the kind of app store boom when the iPhones first came out and the app store came out and everyone was making buckloads of cash off like fart apps and <laughs> And that job came to an end, as most games jobs do. There's a saying, if you haven't been fired three times in games development, you haven't worked in games development. So uh, with those skills, they're so transferable. So I ended up working in the New York Stock Exchange, <laughs> of all places, uh, <laughs> scripting up their test suite. And that was great as well. I had a, had a great three years there too, um, and left that to go back into kind of a halfway house of 3D visual effects and, and scripting that was a, 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 a testing job in the VFX industry, which I, I work in now, yeah, so. Um, so my name's Mike and I graduated uh, from the University of Dundee Masters in Architecture in 2013, I think. Um, and then all through uni, I worked for a 3D visualization company and off and on with a couple of different architects. And then when I graduated, I pretty much immediately um, set up my own little design studio. Um, our master's project was a live build, which you know I learned more from actually building something in fifth year than I did in like the first four years of uni. So that kind of gave me a wee bit of confidence, which was maybe slightly unfounded. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for like the last three and a half years, I guess. Looking at sort of small scale residential projects, looking at low energy strategies um, and kind of energy autonomous living. Um, how can we generate all our own power? Um, and now I also consult with a company in Invergordon who do um, like offsite manufacture, so modular construction. Um, they, they build houses in a factory and ship them to site. And there's like a real <coughs> focus on carbon content and being sustainable about how you build and on top of that like we've a couple of people i know have been looking at how virtual reality and augmented reality is going to play a role in design um and also manufacture over like the next decade i would imagine which has been really interesting i'm claire <clears throat> I studied interactive media design at Duncan of Georgeson and graduated in 2008 and after graduating went travelling but was offered a junior design role which the company really, really kindly offered to keep it open for me whenever I decided to come back which was really, really great of them. Started working there but unfortunately in 2008 the financial crash happened and lots of people lost their jobs so I think I'd been working for, I think, about nine or ten months and I was made redundant, which straight out of uni felt like a bit of a shitty thing to have happened. But after that, I just started picking up contract work because there wasn't a lot of full-time positions 
at round about the start of two, actually for most of 2009, I think I did contract work, um, which ended up being quite useful because I ended up working for lots of different companies from Hilton Hotels to a couple of different companies in Edinburgh working with agencies doing more of a project management role instead of design work which then led me into doing a secondment with the Scottish government for I think I was there for about two years and again just led me to working in more of a project management role which kind of felt like it more naturally fitted than design work so it was quite a nice side of the design industry to work on for me but after a couple of years of working in Edinburgh I was really keen to start working back in Glasgow um, so I took a job and I have to say it's probably one of the worst jobs I've ever had just to not do a commute um, the company have now since gone bust and oh god it was just awful it really made me realise how important it is to work with people that you like and work for a company that you actually really have similar values to and like enjoy what they're doing. After that, I think I was maybe there for six months, maybe it wasn't even as long as that, I was offered a, a digital account and project management role in a design agency and four and a half years later and I'm still there. First question I want to ask, because the sort of, the commonality we all have is that we started in Dundee, studied there. And if you had the opportunity again, would you go to university? That's a tough question. I think that's quite a difficult one because I think in some ways you meet so many great people when you're at university, so I definitely wouldn't change that. Um, but similar to what Ross mentioned earlier on, I didn't feel, definitely coming out of uni, you don't feel as though you're Ready. fully equipped mm. to work mm. within a particular industry, especially yeah. the course that we covered because... 2004 when I started was I think the second year the course had been up and running it they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants and I I think because the sort of the digital and media industries change so frequently there's no one set path to know exactly how to train someone up to after four years to be like there you go you're fully yeah. ready to go yeah. I think one of the important things possibly from uni was learning how to think creatively about different situations and about how to approach projects and how to work collaboratively collaboratively with people because I think that's one of the things that um, Duncan and Jorison do really well is actually make sure that different disciplines work together so you do learn from product designers and you work with applied computing students and you mix in with other people in sort of, which is really useful for working within the industry because everyone comes from different angles when you're in project teams, which I think was really beneficial, mm. but I'm not entirely sure the actual subject the, matters that you learn were that entirely like a, important. It was like an introduction, a basic introduction to loads of different things. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of up to you to specialise, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, which made for a pretty interesting degree show. <laughs> so that's what I kind of liked about the IMD, because I did yeah. three years of computer games design stuff and coding and it was very much you need to study this and then you'll study this and then you'll study that whereas and it was a lot of stuff that I just didn't want to study like we had uh, like Dave will tell you about all the math classes you had to go to and I had classes where you know how to design and build a compiler and I'm like I have no interest in this but when I went to RMD 
it was pretty much whatever you want to do, go research it, go write it up, do it. Yeah. Which was great. It got you involved. It made you feel better. It made you feel more empowered. I think the downfall is that then you handed in something that a lecturer just didn't have a clue about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and if they liked it or it was clear, then it, you would get better marks. But if they didn't understand it, especially yeah. coding wise, that would be tricky. But then I also think the course at that time and the industry at that time was still developing and changing. Yeah. And that massively. the industry didn't really know what it was or it was yeah, going in all different directions. We didn't and, have, like, when we, certainly when I started Genie, and actually when most of, well, all of you started Genie, like, Smartphones didn't exist. iPods really kind of just come out. Touchscreen was wasn't really much of a thing. So like it has evolved so much over the last ten years that possibly starting at that time was maybe beneficial going to uni because you've come out learning so much as opposed to perhaps going to university now where I imagine people are maybe taught slightly differently. So maybe there was a benefit of kind of go away and research something yourself and, and do a bit of independent learning which I think there's a lot to be there's benefit be from said. there is a lot to I be mean, said for that I remember the day <coughs> that I decided to switch course and it was uh, my honours project I wanted to do like an app store like design app this was before <coughs> before the app store but you had things like Steam and you had things like Apple Music and stuff like that so I wanted to do that specifically for games where you could like download a demo, try it if you liked it, you could buy it, you could rate it, stuff like that. And I was gonna do a game with it. And the lecturer said, I don't know what this is, I don't think it's viable. If you do a really good job, I'll maybe give you a C <laughs> <laughs> And at that point I was like, You really don't understand what any of us are doing. So I'm just gonna go somewhere and try and find something that suits me a bit better than this because you just want me to tick these boxes yeah and you'll give me a grade i think that's probably the difference between different types of university courses that you're yeah. given the freedom or you're you've got a set a very rigid um sort of path to yeah. go down and and that's it and to get to a b or c you need to achieve mm-hmm. you need to go through these sort of hoops yeah that's, that's kind of what architecture's like i think you know there's you get a design brief at the start of every year and there's some small scale projects sort of dotted throughout the year. But it's like, yeah, this is your building that you're designing. Here's your schedule of accommodation. This is how big everything should be. Go and design it and we'll just review you every month and make you all cry, you know? <laughs> and I think one of the, the, the real shames within architecture, and I'm kind of jealous about stuff I'm the DOJ because it sounds like there was a lot of scope for collaboration between departments and like speaking to different students and stuff. Yeah, but it definitely was. In architecture, you know, like doing doing the work of an architect, you speak to a whole bunch of other people, like you know, engineers and um, a whole bunch of other outside consultants. But we kind of existed in our own little bubble, mm. and we got very limited exposure to like the structural engineers, for example. Um, I don't think I once spoke to anyone in town planning, which would have been an interesting thing to do. And that's obviously um, not realistic to no, it's work not within the industry. In it's not life. at all. Um, so there's, yeah, I mean, there should be way more <coughs> collaboration within whatever the project is. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of infrastructure, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's a product of the universities. Yeah, so, so for me, like, would you go back and do it again? A couple of things. Yeah, I would. In my mind, I'm like, nah. But I would, because uh, the people that I met there or was in this room many years later were really great friends but 
also they're the people that I would go to for advice. Mm-hmm. If it's designing, if it's code, like Dave will always get a call. Um, if it's just a question about a job or something, mm-hmm. that being able to pick up the phone or Facebook and get feedback. Because I always thought I was quite shit and I would ask everyone for feedback. But it's only recently that I realised that that's actually a good thing for a designer to do. Absolutely. Is to get feedback from everyone. Um, and that's what I got from uni. The course itself, don't really much care for. Like, I think I could have taught myself a lot of it. So you saying that the so the actual social aspect of it it's worth more it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But then the the teachings and the content could have been much more relevant if and structured towards industry. I could work harder. But <laughs> I think that's another thing. I could have worked a lot harder. We probably but, all could have though. Yeah. To be fair. I well, let me rephrase that. I would work harder. <laughs> um but if I had known my interest earlier, mm-hmm. if I had found that little nugget of scripting that I enjoyed and, and I, I wouldn't have wasted three See, years. That's a really good point. If I had known before even going to university, yeah. where you come out of school and you're like, pick a course, pick yeah. a course, yeah. decide what you want to do. You've got to do. Like, you have I mean, to go and do that, That's part. a really good question to ask someone. It's like, are you doing what you went to university to do even now? They're probably... I'd say probably more than 50% of the people you ask that go, no. I mean, I went to university thinking, I'm going to do computer games technology and I'm going to build computer games and be a millionaire and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to come up with the best title in the world. (laughs) But the reality is you think that's what you want. And then when you go and you actually try it, you're like, "Ah, I'm not really that much interested in this. And you've just burned three years of your life learning something. But what you gain from that... um, the people you meet, the learning how to learn, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, but the question of would you go back to university is a hard one to answer. But it, well, for me anyway, because I'm in technology and technology's changed that quickly. That would I, in this day and age, would I go to university to learn what I'm learning? No way, because it's available to me on the internet so so easily and cheaply, right? Um, but back then in 2002 when I started you didn't have that you were still on 512k modems like I mean the things hadn't evolved the way they have now okay so to to change the question slightly then if we're saying that the the social aspect is massively important what else is really important to put in that educational phase I definitely for myself and I think one of the benefits of of the position that I'm in I think because we had we were lucky enough to ha- actually have that varied background on our course where we did cover it by computing and you worked with so many different types of people and um, working in more of a project and client management position and specifically just looking after digital aspects of working in an agency it's been really helpful for me because I can work really well with the developers as well as the rest of the design team and then be able to translate that into client briefs back and forward which I don't think I would have gotten had I not done the course that we that we did cover but at the same time I sometimes think mm, maybe maybe I didn't need to go to university but that that definitely for me has been a massive plus side because you've got that basic understanding of of how how to work in that sort of team and how to I don't know just how to keep the, the project conversations going from all different aspects which 
I think I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have gotten had and not done the course that we did at university. Yeah, I think I think you guys have had a good course then mm-hmm. because you've had a lot of exposure to so much. But then leaving university, was... I didn't feel equipped for. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was going to come out as an equipped designer because obviously I went to university thinking, oh, I'm going to come out and I'm going to yeah. be a designer, and actually, I'm not a designer. I still work in a design agency, but I just manage projects. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, <coughs> I think pro- project management and and UX, there's a lot of overlap. You yeah. have to kind of be a bit of a jack of all trades because with UX, you're laying down the foundations of a system or or a website or an app or something, and you need to know the limitations and mm-hmm. what the framework framework you're working with, and um, you need to be able to talk with developers at a certain level and understand what they're going on about and same with designers and obviously it's going to be laid down on a grid all the rest of that kind of thing so um, I think IMD lent itself quite well to becoming a UX designer because it literally just like threw a whole bunch of stuff at you and uh, you uh, you had to specialise yourself uh, and that's why I think the fourth year project was really good um, because uh, everybody Basically, you wrote your own brief. You the lecturers helped you write your own brief, and you fulfilled that brief yourself. <coughs> and it, it's it's a it was a good starting point, but it wasn't an, it wasn't the end point. Like it yeah. didn't get you ready for work. It didn't get you ready for. Um, so what what would then? Well, my masters did, and that's what I, that's why I went. I did my masters. So it was an extra year. And I worked with people from all over the world. There was me and one other person on my master's that was from the UK. Uh, there were people of all ages, all different <coughs> backgrounds, and worked together um, uh, on different projects and doing a lot of uh, design research. Um, and uh, yeah, that all those people from lots of different backgrounds and just speaking with those people, like even in the pub and that, just getting that again, it's back to the social thing again. Yeah. It's like, it was really interesting and it really changed the way I thought about what design was and how to go about creating. Do you know, I sometimes think as well that when you just come out of school, you're 17 and definitely within the UK, it feels like you're pushed into going to university, but Absolutely. actually if that wasn't your, I know obviously schools have got levels of we get X amount of students go to university and complete exams at whatever levels and and that obviously for them is is just about tables and doing well but I think maybe when you are that age you're not it's quite difficult to decide what you want to do but actually maybe if you if you left a couple years and had a bit more experience of just generally being in the world just being in the world yeah Yeah, because I think there's a lot to be said for life experience Mm -hmm. and then working out what you want to do and taking that and go to university, a perhaps. Bit of fear there. Go oh, out and get a job and yeah, support yeah. yourself. Oh, well, I'll just go to uni instead because that'll yeah. give me a, a nice buffer. But I think yeah. what, what would replace uni is just going to work. Yeah. If you like games or if you like film, um, try and get involved in that. Go, go to a film club, go to a book club, talk to people, again, the social aspect. I've, I have a friend, George. He works in Pinewood Studios now. All he's ever wanted to do is be in films. He went to a production. He found out what a production was. He he got into the trailer area somehow, and he slept outside the trailer until the crew came out the next morning to start work. And he went, "Hey, my name's George. I've been sleeping out here all night. I would really love a job. Have you got any jobs going?" 
want to be in a film. And they were like, whoa, no one does this anymore. <laughs> like 30 years ago, yeah. that's what people did. But now you go into a course, you study yeah. film, you get, they were like, yeah, we'll take you on. You can be Brit. And he's worked his way up. Now he's in Pinewood. He worked with me um, at the place I'm at now for a while doing compositing software stuff. But he did it old school. You can still do that. You show a keen interest in something. I wonder if schools yeah. should like support more of an attitude like that as opposed to you need to have a B in English, you need yeah. to have a B in maths. I think what, so. What English and maths has got to do with going but to design school, I'm not entirely then, then sure. Then you have to like money and ecosystems and numbers and students and halls and pubs and clubs and the whole kind of economy but, built around students. You know, when I was at high school, we had a chemistry teacher who would tell us almost once a month, don't go to uni, you know, go out into the world and get a job and actually see what the world's like. Um, because I think it's just kind of expected that you come out of high school and you'll go to uni and you'll get a degree and you'll automatically walk into the job that you want. You know, that's what we all felt when we were in high school and we couldn't be any further from the truth. Mm. You know? so, yeah. so do we move to more of a, as you would as a, a joiner or a plumber, exactly. a spark apprenticeship? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Going to do an apprenticeship. Yeah. I mean, we, at least then if you do that and you spend a year at it and you're like, ugh. Yeah, you've not committed to it. You haven't lost a load of money and you haven't you're not in a four year (laughs) programme. You've just done a year's trial of something. Um yeah, that would be far better. I mean, you guys have had a better uni experience in the sense that you've got a lot from university. Whereas when I think about what I learned at university and what of that I use now, it's very little. I there's three three years of my life that I don't get back and I don't use any I don't use the majority of that, I learned, I self-taught myself how to program when I was 16. So before I even went to university, I could program. And when I left university, I was still programming in what I learned when I was 16. And what I learned through university, I'm not using any of that right now. Mm-hmm. And everything, I, everything I've done after university, I've learned in a workplace. I mean, the, yeah. my, my level of programming just went from here to here. Uh, by getting a job yeah because I was working with professionals who went actually in the real world even though you read it like this in a book you don't do it like that you do it like this because yeah Yeah, you're being paid to do it much quicker when you're out working there's 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 definitely you see the real world application that's why because like (laughs) my course was um 20 percent mathematics I remember at the start of fourth year of university, being in the uh, math class, and I don't know, when I get kind of nervous, I laugh, right? And I'm sat at the back of the class, and this guy looked like Zeus, the Greek god, a math <laughs> teacher. Seriously, he was really scary looking. And at this, this was like first day in maths, um, September, and he starts writing on the board. He didn't, even, he didn't even say hello, right? And he just started writing on the board, and there wasn't a number in sight. It was all X, Y, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, and that's why I started laughing because I was like, I'm never, I'm never going to be able to do this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and it started everyone laughing in the class. I actually had to get out of the, I had to leave the class. And that was the last maths class, the last <coughs> maths class I went that year. I, I was like, I just knew straight away, this is not for me. I remember that because that was the first time I seen you in uni and you were four flo- floors above me on the stairwell. And you were going, what is this, man? Yeah, I was what? just what? like... And then just laughing. And I was like, because your voice is so loud and distinct. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> it 
it was horrific. And, and it stressed me out too. Well, yeah. I, I really like working because you had a set goal and maybe you didn't know how to get there, but because you were getting paid, you'd find a way. You find a way, and it was fun. I mean, I remember that, that first design job I had, like I was the youngest person on the team working with like industry vets. I was the most annoying piece of shit. Like, I was so annoying. I was like, no, you should do it like this. You should do it like that. You say, ah, this is how you do it, right? Right? And they were always like, this guy's a fucking guy. <laughs> um, and I just made... <coughs> then I learned how to work with people in that yeah. team and, and let things go. And, and, and the experience, it's an accelerated experience process that you just don't get at uni because... Ah, uh, do I want an A? I'd rather go to the pub. I'll just yeah. take a C. Like, fuck this shit. Um, you don't... You tend not to put the effort in, especially if it's something you don't really do much about. Yeah. I think as well, there's not as much um, accountability, but yeah. when you're working in... That's, yeah, that's exactly When it. you're working, say you're working on a client project, for me, if it's going to be, like, delivered way, way late or or there's bad communication, or there's some yeah. sort of ruckus in the team, not that that ever happens, but there's like fractured communication between like a client who's obviously paying yeah. decent money for a project that we're working on. Like you, that pressure <laughs> alone just for a team, you so, just you just don't I have an example from like last week. <laughs> um, I went into um, DNEG, big VFX house. I was talking to them about software and I was like, yeah, we're, we're trying to solve your problems, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're, we're, we'll get it done for you, we'll get it done for you. And then it was passed on to other people on chain of command chains, and the stuff didn't get done. Um, beyond my control, but all I could think of was, they know my name. <laughs> <laughs> They've seen my face. <laughs> I'm this never getting a job at that company, <laughs> ever. Because I've told them and didn't deliver, and that is like the scariest. Like, that's, that's another thing: is the output from your your work is actually something of substance. Yeah. Uh, in the in the real world, yeah, it has an people, people use it. Yeah, so there's an application. Whereas in in uni, you're paying people to teach you stuff um, that you could be getting paid to learn. Mm. Mm. That, that's one thing I didn't mention. So I I teach at the uni, the interior environmental design students like one day a week so I'm with them in the studio in the morning and then we do like 3D CAD stuff in the afternoon and it's really interesting being on like the opposite side of the fence as like a design tutor and there's you know sometimes you just want to shake them and it's like just go and find the answer like just you know use some common sense and just kind of go and get it done because that's what's expected of you when you go and get a job yeah. like stupid things like people asking about you know, how does this particular system work or how does that material work or how do I install this or blah, 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 like talking about, you know, building materials. So, well, I don't know, but the people that make it will. So you have a phone or you have an email. So go on the phone or email them. Like, it's not rocket science. But do you think that's down to maybe these people don't care about their subject? It could very well be. I don't um, know. Do you not think, like, you go back 20 years, you know, you study botany or physics or math, there's a lot of different courses now that you can study. Mm -hmm. so maybe the watering down and the fear. I have yeah. to go to university. What can I get into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think there, there may be a level of that, but there just seems to be. I don't know. I, I, I think students now they just expect like 
instant results for things. You know, we just yeah. kind of expect it to come easy. Like I've had the discussion with us. You know, I sat down with a student for like thirty minutes, like explaining how to do something. I think it was something Photoshop. And her words at the end of the discussion were, "Oh, but that's so much effort." And it's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is so much effort. Like you're here to bust your ass. You're here to work hard. Uh, to, to move on from universities, obviously we've all had a few, at least a few years in industry working and we've all developed distinctly different careers in different directions and some of you guys are down in London, well you're obviously in Spain, yeah. um, there's a couple of guys like myself and Mike from freelance and then Claire in an agency but what I want to know is what's important to make you happy and, and to make you f- feel fulfilled in your role? Money. <laughs> Bucket loads of money. Bucket loads of money, right? No, not really. But <laughs> at the end of the day, money is one of the bigger driving forces, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, well, yeah, I mean, if you want, uh, I mean, if you want something like a house or a boat, you need money. I mean, a boat? <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> buy a boat. The guy I don't want a, a boat. I don't want a boat. <laughs> Gold toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> Now, people always go, uh, money doesn't make you happy. Um, the reason that this is why I said the boat, actually, because it was in the back of my head. I mean, people go, well, money doesn't make you happy. Yeah, but the uh, the money buys you the boat that will make you happy, kind of thing. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Mm. Depends on your outlook, man. You know, like, yeah, I, it does. I, 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 I've always said that, you know, I'd rather have, I'd rather not make as much money and kind of be free to... For example, just take a week off and come to Kit's pool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, and not really have anyone to answer to, um, yeah. and be tied to a nine-to-five job, making X many tens of thousands a year with a company car and a pension to buy the healthcare, yeah. and just being fucking miserable. Like, yeah. I've I've got a friend who's promised me that he'll shoot me if I ever get to that stage mm-hmm. because it just doesn't. And no one wants to hear that on a Friday night after work. No, Your no. friend continually moaning about how much they yeah. hate their job because it's a real. Dinner. I still do the moaning, to be fair, but for different reasons. See, I think for me, it's obviously money is important, and and yes, that is great to get paid. But from a couple of positions that I've had, specifically the one before the one I'm in just now, I was so miserable. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the team that had been built up in this company. They were all great people, but the people that run the company really didn't like people conversing, which really, I mean, I'm not sure how you're supposed to manage projects and clients if you can't speak to designers and developers and content producers. Really difficult. Mm. Um, But that aspect of, of working, certainly for me, when I moved back into working for an actual proper agency as opposed to people playing at it, it's really important to work in a team that you get on really well with and actually you, you trust everyone in the team and and you've all got similar outlooks and you know similar not even similar approaches to projects and it's great that everyone ha- does things so differently but I think it's for me it's really cool to have be part of a really good team that work mm. well together and then obviously socialise as well is, is a great bonus but I think that having a really strong team that you work with and if you've got an issue go to chat to somebody else or, or like you were saying earlier on it's just so important to be able to feel comfortable and in, in your role to to ask people for help I, I, mm-hmm. that for me is such a huge thing for me the biggest one actually <coughs> is time that's why i originally set out to start my own company flexibility yeah. yeah yeah i mean i have a pretty good at the minute in that um i have that flexibility i work remote and 
<clears throat> I don't have to work from nine to five. Yeah. I can work from eight to four, which is actually what I do. I work from eight to four. Um, and I take a half hour lunch because I don't need to take an hour lunch. Everyone else in the company takes an hour lunch, but I'm like, I don't really need that. I, I'd rather get the work done and deliver what they need and then have that have more time to myself later on to to be with people, to do things. Um, and yeah, that's always been my driving force, basically. Try and free up the time. Just like you said, I want to be able to go a week uh, with all my friends <coughs> at Kitsville. I mean, yeah, we're always going to have to work. And so as long as you can enjoy it and you enjoy the process, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, you've got the flexibility. And the yeah, I think, you know, time's your kind of most, but certainly the most valuable thing for me and having that freedom to kind of go and do whatever. Um, but also, like, like having a challenge. Having a challenge and having the motivation to kind of step up to the challenge is like another side to it. But you know, being challenged in like my own work, like when I manage my own clients, there might be things that I don't know and I have to go out and learn and kind of do on my own and that sort of stuff. And then with like the guys that I freelance with, there's you know challenges by the hour that just you have to react to, and that yeah, that's a lot of people can't hack it and a lot of people don't like it. But yeah, I quite like the intensity of it of just being like oh. We need to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's the reason I mentioned money as well earlier is because I started my own company and I got uh, well, I didn't get the time I thought I would. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to freedom, flexibility. I'm going to be in control. I'm going to build software and make some money and have that freedom. But I didn't get actually almost any of those in my first attempt. Um didn't have the money and that creates a whole new world of problems that you don't get when you've got a job that's <coughs> paying you nine to five. You've got that financial freedom, you're all right. Um, sometimes when you're trying to start a business, it's actually way harder than people give give you oh, credit for. Like, for sure. And it takes a lot of hours and there goes your, I've got that freedom and flexibility. Yeah, you've got the freedom and flexibility, but you've got a lot of hours to put in because you've got to meet the money to keep you going, to pay the bills and and so on and so forth. So that's that's why money is a big factor in it. And whether yeah, having having a great team and all that, I agree with all that. I, I nothing worse than being in a job that you hate. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people around you aren't supportive. Yeah. yeah. And they're yeah, there's nothing worse than that, being in a terrible job. And I'd far rather earn less money have my own business. Yeah. And I'd be in the situation that I described than be in a job that's horrible. But pays a lot of money. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah, that pays a lot of money. I would not want to be in that position. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just talking about like setting up your business, like when I first set up, I had two business partners, and you know we had quite a lot of support from like as far as I know, like Scotland's a really good place to set up a business because of the amount of business support that's out there. Yeah. Um. So you know we spoke to like a lot of organisations and stuff, and they kind of helped us along the way. But um, yeah, for like the first year that we were incorporated, like you know, no one took any money. So we were all working like other jobs, some related to what we were doing and some not, to kind of pay the bills. And month. at the end of the day, that takes you away from the business from the thing you're trying you to start. To do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, absolutely. It totally <laughs> diverts your attention. I mean, like, lucky I, I was working for a 3D Viz company, so it was still kind of related. Um, but, you know, some of the guys were working in Tesco's and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they've since left. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing to do to set up business and kind of take that leap that a lot of people don't. The London guys have been quite quiet. Well, yeah, no, I mean, 
so my point yeah was what is important is I think is flexibility mm. um, when I first started at the, the agency um, <coughs> I, there was I left basically because well one I kind of got headhunted which is pretty cool and two um, the when my line manager left there was no head of UX they didn't replace him um, and uh, they kind of shifted focus from being like a user strat uh, UX strategy consultancy with that could do motion graphics and like you know the whole package to uh, just focusing really on content creation for like super highly templated websites they were doing stuff for Nokia and Sony and there wasn't a lot of uh, flexibility there uh, as far as the work was concerned um, and but I still had to turn up and sit at my desk and there was like literally a few months where I would sit, up, sit at my desk and I'd just like sit on the internet and I had nothing to do so there was no reason for me to they, they couldn't they were, I wasn't getting in trouble for it but I had to just sit there that must have been a long few months there was work but it was like I don't know I had to stretch it super thinly <laughs> Uh, that's not a good situation no. to be because it is really good to feel challenged as well and yeah. why that is quite important yeah. as well and so I, I stopped learning I stopped progressing I, I, yeah. I could do a bit of myself you know I was like mucking about with Arduino and all the rest and that and all this kind of little, little side project and I was doing that while I was at work as well but because it, it was relevant to yeah. uh, the um, to my discipline and then when I left I started working uh, for this old line manager I'm still working for him so it's basically a very lightweight uh, user experience consultancy he's quite uh, good at networking so he's got some good contacts uh, we don't have a office we don't have a premises I either work from home or I work where the client is and if there's I'm, I get paid a salary but if there's no work I don't work but I still get money which is cool. Uh, um, and so that enabled me to do things like do a snow season. So I was working three days a week remotely uh, for four months living, out, living in France. And that was also awesome. And at the moment, I'm, yeah, I'm working kind of client side. Um, so I've basically embedded in a bigger team. They didn't have any UX capacity, so I'm kind of white labeling for them. But I'm working in a team of uh, contractors so everyone's a contractor there pretty much and they have quite a lot of flexibility so some people that live quite far outside of London they'll work from home twice a week probably I work from home once a week even though I'm live in the city but you know it's just what we've discussed and that's how it works but people can if some, something comes up they can just be like, sorry guys, I'm working from home, but I'm available on all channels. And technology helps us to be able to continue working. Like you've got all the, you've got like Slack, you've got email, you've got um, all these different collaborative tools that uh, I mean, you don't need to be physically together all the time. And I think that's where that previous agency were like, they were missing so, so you, because obviously you worked at the stock exchange, which I imagine yeah. financially was quite good. Financially quite good. Um, it was based in Belfast, so the salary wasn't huge, but my living costs were tiny. Like my rent was two hundred pounds. Yeah, that was that was good. 
Um, and I learned a lot there. So, I mean, I didn't get fired from that job. I, I quit that job to, to go on and follow something that I quite liked. Uh, I have moral objections to working for the stock exchange. I wouldn't work for another bank, but it was great. The people there were great. For me, it's not flexibility. It's not really money. There's money to a level where, you know, I'm not going to struggle. I'm not going to be rich, but I'll be able to feed myself and put a roof over my head. The thing for me when it comes to work isn't flexibility. I think if you're starting your own business, there's a difference between your own business and working for somebody else. There's a difference between what people want. I know these guys are outdoors people and like living, want to see the sun, want to see the hills. So that's important to them. Flexibility is not that important to me. What's important to me, I've kind of found out recently, is that um, I need to be learning stuff. I need to get up in the morning and be like, I need to tackle this problem. I need to get this done. This, this makes me a better person. This mm -hmm. improves me. So I skate a lot and I bring skating up all the time, even though I'm a little bit older. But the amount of effort you have to put in to get that little bit of reward, that little bit of satisfaction, that little bit of progression. I mean, we're also snowboarding here, so we know what the progression is. It's so satisfying. So if I'm going into work every day, and that's not there, or I'm just phoning it in, it's, it's pointless. You could be paying me 100k, well, maybe 100k, I'll, I'll go in. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah, I mean, I had, I had a, so my team's changed quite a lot, and I've moved team, and I had a conversation with my boss, and he's like, oh, I thought he wanted to do this, wanted to do that, and I'm like, uh, no, I'm, I'm kind of happy with what I'm doing at the minute, because my peers have gone. I have no one to answer to. So the only person I answer to is myself, and that is me discovering things and going off on tangents and trying to almost entertain myself and challenge myself. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're working, it's all about that challenge. It's all about learning new stuff. It's having people around you who are at a higher level. I mean, a snowboarding analogy, you know, Johnny goes really fast. Our friend Johnny goes really fast on the snowboard. We don't go that fast, but we try and chase it. We try and improve ourselves just a little. So if I'm getting up every morning, I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to work through this really cool thing. I'm going to take that bit. I can apply that to this color algorithm that I'm working on. Oh, that's going to be amazing. I'm going to show everyone it's going to dazzle them. It's going to be brilliant. I'm not thinking about the money at that point. I'm thinking about the cool thing that I'm going to do. What's motivating me? So if you're going into, every, into work every day, and you're being motivated, and you're being pushed, I think that's... The other stuff comes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're good at something, you'll get paid for it. Yeah. So the next thing I want to ask is, do you think you're successful? I would I would say that at the moment, I, I'm pretty happy and I think I am su successful. But it's different for everyone, right? Um, I've got, I have a pretty good setup with it being super flexible. And my boss or me and my boss really trust each other. So I've been successful there in like creating this or you know, forging this relationship with uh, my employer where um, he doesn't care where I am as long as I deliver the work um, to the desired quality and on time and he, he doesn't really care, which is cool. Um, so there's that. But then there's also, I've been cruising for a while now, like I've been, I've been doing that for three years. Um, and I think I'd like a new challenge maybe, 
or just a bit of a change of scenery um, as far as like work's concerned. So I think that would be a, a kind of evolution of that success is to kind of find wh whatever that is. I literally have no idea. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just uh, I kind of have a, a hunch that I want to have a bit of a change not so and that's the thing i'm not unhappy at the moment i just think it's something i want to do so mm -hmm. there's there's the success i think no, it's, mm -hmm. more, it's more am i successful yeah technically yeah like i said before um i'm not rich but i do i do a good job am i fulfilled no <laughs> not even close <laughs> <laughs> um so it depends how you measure it i mean I get up every morning and I have a ton of ideas with the best intentions. Yeah. Never get done. Never, not in a million years. And I've bought a 3D printer and I've sketched out the design. That's not going to get done. If I got those done, yeah. If yeah. I got those done, I, I feel personally successful, you know, but... It does depend how you measure it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know a couple of people who would say they're successful because they went to uni and they've got a good degree and they've done all the professional qualifications that they need to and they're in a, a good job making X amount a year. And for them, they're happy and that's that's what they call successful. But that's that's my kind of worst nightmare. You know, if I'm, if I'm happy and like you say, you've got enough to put food on the table, roof over your head and do some stuff that's interesting, whether that's like in a professional capacity, you know, if that's a job yeah. or if it's just a hobby, then that's success to me. You know, mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't need a boat. Um, <laughs> like I don't even have a car. So uh, when I hear the word success, I think of some fat cat smoking a cigar. Yeah. Past his prime, talking about what a shark he was. <laughs> he's got a lot of money, and I'm like, I don't want to sit at the bar with you. Oh, well, I think that's the that's the thing. Like this, like I'd hate, and maybe some people would say that I'm guilty of this, but I'd hate to be boring. Yeah. Do you know? I would just fucking hate to be boring. And I don't think I am, but, you know, like when people say, oh, so what are you up to? It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing this, I'm working on this project, and then I've been trying to, like, teach myself this kind of, you know, Japanese carpentry or make a knife or, like, you know, do whatever like that. And that's really interesting to me. And, like, that's, like, my own free time and it's, like, a hobby or whatever. And, yeah, like, doing all that stuff, I think, is successful. Yeah, I think it is quite interesting to see how different people would class success because I think in definitely in my current role in the agency, if I, if I really think about it, I would probably say, yeah, I actually do feel like I'm successful because I feel like the role that I'm in, I've almost been given the ability to forge my own path and make the role what I need it to be for the projects that we're working on. And I guess if that wasn't working, someone at some point would have ranged back in. Which makes me think that perhaps what you're doing and, and the way you're working with teams and, and the way everyone's coming together on projects, it's we're tackling things in the right way and it's it's good to get that flexibility to fail fast mm -hmm. and learn from your mistakes and then go on to do a better job the next time. And so I, I, I don't know, it is quite, it is quite a tricky 
question. It's very but I would. That's kind I, of the point of it, though. I know, yeah. but I would. I would think if you weren't doing a good job, I would always <coughs> rather hear from somebody saying that was really shit. You could never do that again. Hmm. And I think that you're always going to learn from your mistakes. I, I guess if if you if everything's going well, then that's a success, and and you're learning from each each project that you're tackling and each different situation that you're you're tackling and is working well I think's a success that you could just keep building on whether that's money related or not I don't know I think it's a, it's a really difficult question to answer I've been <laughs> thinking about it while each of you are talking yeah, and, same. and I suppose if I was to write it down on paper what I've done where I am now yeah I could probably say I'm successful but I honestly don't feel successful I don't feel successful because I'm not yet doing what I want to be doing. I had a taste of it, which was when I started my own business. And I think I, I learned a lot in that process. Um, a huge, I learned more in that than I have my entire life trying to start a business. Uh, because there are so many angles to it, so many aspects to it. And, and all I feel at the moment is I want to do that again. But I want to take everything I learned before and do it differently and have another go. And at the minute, I feel like I'm in a limbo state at the minute. I'm working for a company. I don't really want to be working for a company because I'm having to do the things that they need and what they want. I've got ideas and I've got things I want to have a go at. But going back to the money thing, I'm not wanting to put myself in that position again. Financially, I wasn't poor, right? But I wasn't in a position where I felt comfortable. Mm -hmm at all and I don't want to put myself in that uncomfortable position so for me at the minute I'm like okay I will bide my time and I'll work for a company and I'll learn as much as I can at the minute I like I mean I do my job and outside of that I feel like I'm back at university again at the minute I'm learning so much in the evenings and the weekends all I do is do courses online and I basically trying to teach myself all of the things I think that I'm going to need for when I try that once again. And for that reason then I wouldn't say I'm successful. Because from for myself, I don't feel successful because I haven't yet attained that goal that I have in my head and that I've had in my head for a long time. I think what's what's interesting is everyone's talked quite introspectively about it and that no one's really talked about well, they've talked about material items and that is sort of a public facing way of showing so called success. That's that's how people Exactly, and that's see it. but we've also talked about it in the way of fulfillment and happiness and um, enjoyment of, of life and in your job, which is, I think, exactly what it should be, and that, that measure of it is completely relative to your own perception of it. <clears throat> I mean, technically then, you could say, oh, well, if success is to have that car, then if you go out and buy that car, then you've succeeded. Oh, yeah. So finish, <laughs> you're at the finish line, I mean, boom, yeah. that's, that's it, that's, I, that's, what yeah, now? Last week I won an award too, and yeah. like we won an award for a project, and here I am up on stage collecting the award, but I wouldn't say just because you've got an award you're that's it. successful, you're done. Yeah. it's just that's that exactly happens what via... I was saying about my kind of <coughs> success is that, you know, I've succeeded in getting to where I am now, Yeah. and... I know that I want to move on to something a little bit different and then <coughs> if I get there then I'll have succeeded in doing that as yeah. well. It's, and then yeah. you'll have, you'll have you'll another You'll set benchmark. another goal yeah, then yeah. at that point. Yeah. You'll always um, move that goal. And I, I think I, like, I'm in a similar position to you where I'm kind of like 
I'm kind of cruising <coughs> a bit. And I'm, I'm, trying, I'm waiting cruising. to figure, I'm trying to figure out where yeah. I want to go next. Um, whether that's a physical location or a job or mm. or something like that, I'm mm. I, I'm not sure. I'm willing to have the cojones to try it again. Basically, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, when you're when you leave uni, you're thrust into that, and it's like it's very much open and scary. And at the moment, I'm quite comfortable, and it's difficult to leave that comfort mm-hmm. zone. But I think that's where I start getting a little bit worried that I'm. Complacent. Yeah, and I'm just I'm w- not wasting time because I'm having I'm enjoying myself, but You're plateauing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, yeah, plateauing a bit. Yeah. yeah, I've used that word as well recently. Uh, <laughs> plateauing, and that's where I'm at. I'm mm. a, with my with my job and the languages that I use to program in. Yeah. I'm on a plateau. I've not changed in in a year and a half since I started with that company. And I'm like, okay, it it's good and it's fun. And, the great people, that kind but of goes back to what you were saying earlier on, John, about yeah. it being really important that you're still learning something. Yeah, yeah. that's that exactly why I feel like I'm at uni. You feel like you're progressing yeah. into and you're learning something new every yeah. other week. Yeah. Some people who like that, they get comfortable. Yeah, I can't do that. I get bored. Yeah, I yeah. as soon as I'm not learning anything, I'm bored, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and yeah. I'm like, now what? I mean. Come on, I can't do this for another year and a half. Yeah, so it's that thing you need to be challenged. Yeah. yeah. So I, think, I don't think you can be successful, <laughs> really, truly. You'll always can just I keep succeeding. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's what I always want to move. Yeah. You always, I think you always want to do better. But success yeah. isn't an end point, really, necessarily, yeah. is it? It's like. Well, when have you ever. Have you ever did, done a design and handed it to the client and went, that is the best. That is hot <laughs> shit. No one I does swear, that. I bet you're handed to the, the client going, oh fuck, I hope they don't see the big error there. That's, oh, shit. that's not really what they but asked that's what's for, amazing. Right? The client will oh, look at no. it and go, that's exactly what I wanted. And you're like, really? Really? Because <laughs> there's so much wrong with that. Now I'm going to fix it for the yeah. next client. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely handed stuff over that I've been proud of. And I've also handed stuff over that I've been like, that fulfills the brief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the bare minimum. Yeah. Even the stuff that you're part of, if they handed it back, you'd have a million tweaks to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah never, sure. never You'd be going to bed going, oh, yeah. it, was, it yeah. was good until I thought of the thing <laughs> yeah. think yeah. of earlier. Yeah. That could be better. Yeah. But, I mean, you're given a certain amount of time to, to do it and you deliver what you can in yeah your time. constraints are you've got to ram something out within the next week the budget is this the yeah. client's expected to be approved by wednesday within that you've got 14 working hours you've got another project on what can you do within that time spoken like a true project manager <laughs> <laughs> and then also it's those things that aren't reflected in what the end user sees yeah. So the end user never appreciates the amount of time and effort that's gone in or yes. the strengths or the time skills yeah. or anything like that. And that's how you've got this culture online of people slating things like the new Instagram logo. Yeah, and it's like, actually, you don't know if that those people have had 10 other projects on at the same time and they've had something go drastically wrong in one project so they've <clears> had to be taken off of project A to work on project B because this thing's totally fucked up. And then it's like, oh, shit got a couple of hours to get this ram back out the door because that proofs you like you just you don't yeah, see any of those I, behind I don't the scenes even think it's that i think this is the modern age of comment boxes and reddit and stuff the thing with design is that everyone thinks they're a designer yeah, yeah. and that the, the thing that the analogy i always use is i'll i'll i've had it stuff in after research and a client's went make it blue blue's cool 
Blue's in. And I'm in my head, I'm going, Blue's shit. <laughs> no one wants Blue. And I'm thinking, why can this guy, who's a salesman, tell me something? And then all he use is, no one's going into Stephen Hawking's office yeah. and telling him how to do physics. I think that's a whole right? other podcast right there. Right? <laughs> it really no is. No one's telling him how to do his job, but everyone seems to tell, be able to tell me. It's because everyone mine. feels like they can subjectively tell you yeah. what they do and don't like about design work without appreciating and understanding fully what people exactly. are doing. So is, that, is that a profession thing? So is that more I think it I might think be. It might I, be yeah. One of the things I, I definitely think that would be important from working in that sort of client relations area is having people who are set to brief in projects and who are telling you you need x y and z this is your brief these are the constraints you need to work to your time scales your budget they see a proof and suddenly it's like you get feedback like i don't like the color blue it's like i'm really sorry but one of your main brand colors for instance is blue your personal like or dislike to the colour should be completely yeah, left totally. at the door. Yeah. It's, it's I think things like the, that the product is for it's, Yeah, it's like you need to, I think that's there definitely needs to be an educational piece on the flip side of people yeah. requesting design, hmm. understanding a bit more. I think that comes down to jobs as well, you know. I'll hire somebody because they know what they're doing. Yeah. I don't want to hire someone and tell them what to and do. And then micromanage them afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to do the work that I'm not good at doing. That's working in a team, you know. If you've got clients barking orders at you, I think it might have been you, David. I was having this conversation with, but um, I was talking. I was talking to this design company, and they really love what they do, and they fired clients. That's such a good. I think that's such a more people should do that. I've said such that as well before. Yeah, they've went fire your working <laughs> clients. We so. don't seem to be going eye to eye. Seeing eye to eye on this, and they'll push that money away, and they'll just be. Maybe you should find somebody else. I'd, I'd like to be able to be in that position. I think day. more people should do that because at times you'll be working on projects and you know that it's not profitable. Clients are can at times completely micromanage something. It grinds the team down. People really don't feel like they're invested in the work that they're doing because mm-hmm. they've had so much shit feedback. Like, say, a two-week conversation on whether a call-to-action button in a carousel, for example, should be placed at the left side or the right side and you've got research to back up say here's why you shouldn't do this and clients like well you know I kind of like it there anyway so just do it it's it's success no (laughs) I think in projects (laughs) like that uh, where you've got that constant sort of feedback maybe that's a good time to start firing but then you're not going to say that to your plumber no put the toilet in and go are you using that for the UB? Yeah, you would yeah. never do that. I can't fancy something different. Uh, yeah, you would never do that. Is there another option? Is there not? Can I can I see something else? Mm. Yeah, so, like it's only on my end, you know. What, and I, I had the case a while ago, six months ago. Now, I was working with someone, and they were like just screaming for drawings. It's like, oh, where's the drawing? Like, why is this taking so long? And all that sort of stuff. And the the clients and those type of people, they do just see a finalized drawing. Like they see a drawing package, or whatever it may be. What they don't see is all the front end like thinking time that goes into planning it out. Like I've you know, I've got umpteen sketchbooks that are just full of like working out diagrams of how like a thing might come together, like how a detail might work around a window, for example. Like they don't see that, they just see the finalized thing and they think, well, if we just change that, then it'll be dead easy. And it's like, well well no, because that, that moves everything else around it and it, it has an off effect. That's the frustrating thing. Yeah. 
websites and buildings that have a very very similar Cross similarity there. Like so, you know, your drawings are pretty similar to my wireframes, where um, there's been a lot of thought going into yeah. the the process. And your client just comes in and goes, "Well, why don't you just turn it upside down?" Yeah, yeah. I don't think people appreciate that that you're actually being hired sometimes to do a very specific job, and that you're quite qualified and do it day in day out, and people are like. And the I feel I can feed back on this because <laughs> as much as I don't work in this all the time, I know what I like and what I don't like. Mm. It's sniffing out what is actually good for the brand yeah. and what is that personal's, person's personal preference. Yeah. yeah. That's the line you have to walk. Um, so the last question I want to ask is what excites you for the future? The young people. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> Finally, being successful. <laughs> um, no, really. <laughs> it could be personally. It could be technology-wise. It could be anything. VR is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's going to be like that's going to like completely fuck my industry because like I build responsive websites at the moment, so you've got desktop, tablet, mobile. And then on this end, you're going to end up having the top end be on desktop, you're plugging up having VR. But that's exciting because I'm going to have to learn a whole... A whole new host of skills. 3D modeling yeah. for all these crazy apps. Yep. And one of the different applications. So about VR. Maybe augmented. Yeah, I was just yeah, well, that's, well, yeah. So obviously there's different we, We've had some levels of yeah. VR. Yeah. The, the guys that I freelance with. Um, and for Gordon, like you know, we've done a lot of co-design sort of workshops with virtual reality headsets, which has been brilliant because you just get immediate feedback from from prospective clients or you know stakeholders, which is which is awesome. But I think like you're saying, AR is where it's at because at the moment we are looking at how augmented reality can or where augmented reality can sit within manufacture. So how operators can use augmented reality to actually build and make things. Yeah. That's really, really exciting. So what's, what we're seeing is that, you know, a VR experience is great if you want to sell something to someone. Yes. Yeah. Totally. If you're in, into marketing, it's great. It's a big selling point. But if you want to use it in produ like production, like so, I mean, we some stuff with cars where the designers could actually you know, walk around the car. And yeah. Stuff. No one's going to sit in a room, 20 designers with VR headsets on, yeah. in their own little bubble, yeah. not being able to interact with each other. Yeah, yeah I think this application yeah. is definitely not limited, but there's definitely some places where there's, virtual there's, reality yeah. just is not fit for. No, it's it's nice and it's fun. It's great for games. Mm -hmm. But AR is what kind of works out. Yeah. I can collaborate with you in AR. I can leave something in a room and come back. Like... A good example given to me recently was I can have an app on the that Microsoft what's the Microsoft VR thing? HoloLens. HoloLens. I can leave an app beside my door that has the weather on it. Mm -hmm. I can walk away. I can It'll go still out be there. next morning just before I leave the door that app's sitting there around yeah. the door telling me what it's a Google application. I can't get that in, in, in the VR stuff. Yeah. I mean the way we oh, the guys I'm sort of working alongside in this venture what I would like to see out of it from our point of view is to be able to sit down with a client in some sort of virtual environment and do a design in like a day, you know, do like a, a day yeah. session. And they'd be really into it because, you know, the majority of people haven't really played in VR before, so quickly do a design. And then there's a back end to that that punts it all to an AR platform 
and that goes to a series of operators that use the, the AR tools to assemble the thing. That's really exciting. Yeah, um, that's, we've, we've got that. We'll do that. We'll, we have something. We need to talk about it. Let's, let's. But the, the, the kind of example was architecture yeah. because I can, bring a, I can bring a client in and go, here is what we're building for you yeah. and show them exactly how it's going to work. The scale, the dimensions. Yeah. And they can go, oh, I, I want that to be south facing. And I can just flip a wand of a five, have it south facing. Yeah. And I can go, actually, no, don't like it. That's great. So aside from AR, VR, what else? Drones are pretty cool. <laughs> drones are cool, yeah. My friend has drones. And I was thoroughly impressed. I thought they were gonna, it was going to be stupid, like toy, but actually, no, work wise. I mentioned it to a couple of people who work who, who work for big studios, and they were like, "Yeah, we use it all the time for uh, getting large scale shots and three uh, D scanning and stuff. Three D scans yeah. of terrain and stuff. Yeah. Like that. uh, that's really cool. You know, if the military are buying into it, then it's going to be. It's going yeah. To be <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of cool. I think smaller, more lightweight companies are going to be much more successful in the future c compared to the big guys. Um, yeah, because yeah. they're, they're more agile. They can't, yeah, exactly. They can't keep up. Uh, the big companies can no longer keep up um, with the way the world is changing, yeah. and it's changing pretty rapidly. Yeah, sure. I heard a, there's an analogy. I can't remember. It's in a, obviously in a podcast. All the fucking anecdotes are from podcasts <laughs> these days. Um, but they were talking about it as in actually, it might have been the guys who went to Facebook. Um, after they, the, the two MDs of the design agency they split up and it was because it was going too big and it was becoming too cumbersome <coughs> and they couldn't manage it and they said they had to be like a Navy SEAL team yeah. that's flexible, agile, can work fast and is just inserted into something, does the job, gets out, moves on to the next yeah. thing. Whereas yeah. if you're a, a military, like a, a, a unit, yeah. yeah, you can't, you're not agile, you can't move quickly, you can't do things fast and you can't get in and out. It's, it's, yeah. It's a slog, mm -hmm. and there's so much red tape to, to cut and get through. Yeah, so many people that need to sign off and things, whereas if it's just three-man band, it's a yes or a no. Cool, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. <laughs>
and go and join that Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. Um, and as I said, I'm going to drop some little snippets of extra content in there as well, so it's definitely worth joining. But that's it. Until next week, goodbye.